you're just a kid who lives in a garbage dump, to break through all that and to tear away those lies to see that you mean something to God and that you mean something to the world around you is a powerful thing. And that's really why we do what we do. This week on First Person, our guest is Stefan Radelich, president of Feed the Hungry. Stefan has a testimony of God's call in his life you won't want to miss, and you'll hear it in just a moment. This is a weekly program dedicated to telling the stories of lives changed by Jesus Christ. You'll find us online at firstpersoninterview.com, and I invite you to drop by the website for additional information on today's guest and much more. Once again, it's firstpersoninterview.com. Our partner in bringing these stories to you each week is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC's gospel-centered broadcasts are heard in many countries, including China, Russia, Korea, Japan, and the Philippines, just to name a few. And listeners respond warmly to hearing of God's love and offer of salvation. Plus, they are discipled in the Word. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Just click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, I've done some radio projects with our guest, Stefan Radelitz, the president of an organization committed to not only feeding children a nourishing meal, but also teaching them about Jesus. You'll learn more about Feed the Hungry today, but first, Stefan and I talked about his own story of coming to faith in Christ. You know, our context of uh, getting to know one another has been in light of Feed the Hungry, uh, the humanitarian work and the, the gospel work that's being done around the world through uh, through that ministry, but... Uh, I've had a, a tremendous uh, privilege of being able to work on the mission fields of the world and uh, really uh, an extension of what the Lord's done in my life and, and really set things up in a way that uh, looking at it now, I could see the pieces of the, the puzzle falling together. But uh, I grew up in New York State, uh, born in Brooklyn, raised in Long Island and upstate to a wonderful family of restaurateurs and people that have been involved in hospitality for many years. And uh, long story short, uh, that's kind of the, the path that I had followed as a young man. I uh, went to Cornell University, the Statler School of Hotel Administration, one of the greatest uh, institutions for and specializing in uh, hospitality management, worked on our family business uh for, for years and years. And really, my last year as a uh, senior at Cornell, second semester, you know, coming close to the end of graduation, had some job opportunities lined up to uh, kind of spread my wings a little bit. But the Lord got a hold of me on uh, January 4th, 1986, uh, coming home from uh, uh, Boston, where I picked up a friend and uh, for the for the winter break, uh, my dad's car had gotten stolen. So from Boston, I called up my dad thinking, well, this is it for me. Um, uh, I'm going to be lucky to get out of this one alive because I, I know my dad, obviously, and, and his temper <laughs> as a chef. And, you know, he's kind of the, the quintessential hot-tempered chef. And uh, I'd called him uh, to say, Dad, uh, someone stole your car. And oh. I told him that, and I was waiting for the backlash. And I'll, there was just silence on the phone for... A few seconds, and he said, don't worry, son, we'll pray, and the Lord will bring it back. And I thought, who, who am I talking to here? <laughs> uh, and as I'd been away for, for four years at university, uh, both my, my mom first, and then my father, and then other uh, members of the family, grandmother, grandfather, aunts and uncles, had, had come to uh, a saving faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We grew up as a very devout Roman Catholic family, and so I'd gone through the catechisms and all. And, uh, but what I was not aware of was the fact that uh, they had all come to Jesus in my absence and uh, had been praying for me in, in a big, big way. Uh, and so that 
took me by surprise, and I was really mm-hmm. shocked. And uh, my dad followed up saying, oh, we'll have your cousin Carlo come on out, and he'll come pick you up uh, tomorrow and just bring you home, and we'll look forward to seeing you for the holidays and, and the rest of your, your break. Wow. Uh, got home uh, about midnight 30 uh, the following day, and uh, uh, the gentleman who had led my mom and my dad and, and other family members to the Lord uh, was there, you know, as a, as a client, as a customer of, of our restaurant, Northern Italian restaurant. And uh, so they were sitting there was late and, you know, everyone had gone, play, shop was closed up, but they were sitting just chatting, uh, come walking in with uh, my girlfriend at that time from California. And uh, the gentleman, uh, you know, kind of shared our story of what had happened and, and, and what had taken place. And he basically uh, gave me the the diagnostic questions, you know, and I had known him. I was a good friend of his daughter. We were in high school together and we were good friends. And uh, he said, you know, Stefan, if you were to die today and uh, you were to appear before the Lord uh, and he were to say, why should, why should you come to heaven? What, what would your answer be? You know, and I gave the standard ones that any good American heathen would give, you know, <laughs> born in a Christian country. Then uh, he really just shared real briefly the, the meaning and the message of, of the first coming and the sacrificial death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that our salvation, our relationship with God, uh, our uh, entree to eternal life really has nothing to do with who we are and what we've done, and it has everything to do with Jesus Christ and and what he's done. Hmm. And uh, that second question that he asked me was, uh, today, if you could be sure that your sins are forgiven, and you could pray to the Lord and and know that uh, you are a part of his family and that he's going to be involved in your life, was that something that you'd want? And it was just the right moment. You know, it was just the convergence of, of, of divine timing. And uh, my heart was ready. And I said, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would pray that way. I'd love to do mm-hmm. that. And he led me in that prayer. And, and honestly, uh, Wayne, from that moment, uh, something amazing happened. And I just knew that I knew that I knew from that moment uh, that nothing in my life would be the same again. And it was, No turning back, huh? It was evidenced by just the way you see the world. And you know, you've gone through this experience. Uh, our, our listeners today have gone through that experience, you know, where they gave their hearts over to Jesus. And all of a sudden, they're looking through the, at the world through a different set of lenses and, you know, hearing news in a different way and seeing the world around them in a different way. And uh, I'd gone back to university just a few days after that uh, to my old friends and everything and, you know, the old lifestyle. And it was right there. Um, and for some reason, I mean, I didn't, not for some reason, I didn't participate, you know, listening to the music I was listening to, doing the things and uh, that I was doing. And, and Boy, uh, you were radically changed. Radically changed, yeah. And uh, I remember sitting, and this might be graphic, but it's the truth. Uh, I remember sitting in, 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 you know, with some friends in a circle, and they were smoking hash, uh, hashish, and, you know, passing around. And I just kept passing the pipe around, passing the pipe around. And... Uh, uh, someone, one of the guys said, Hey, what's, what's going on? You, you know, you okay. You, how come you're not, you're not, you know, <laughs> you're not normal. <laughs> and I said, you know, just, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just, it doesn't mean anything to me. Huh. Never picked that up pipe up again. Never, you know, went back to the old, old ways of things. And, uh, it's really amazing to see how the Lord took away the want to, and just mm-hmm. filled me up with so much more, uh, uh, substance and so much more uh, uh, significance and reality that it just uh, made everything that was false and fake and a, a filler uh, just kind of go by by the wayside. Wow, what a terrific story. I, I really enjoyed hearing you tell that. 
Uh, you went back to studying hospitality management. Did you know then you would serve the Lord in some capacity, or you, you, were you just looking to operate a restaurant somewhere? Yeah, no, I, um, I was looking to uh, to work with a. Um, I had a couple of offers, a firm out in California and one in Ohio, and uh, I just knew that uh, I'd, I'd visited home once again over Easter break, and. Uh, uh, pastor of, of our local church there, you know, got to know him a bit. And I just knew in the inside of me that the best decision I can make would be to get back to uh, my family business. And I knew I needed to, to be uh, surrounded and grounded in this, this new life, you know, I, that Christ changed your priorities, huh? Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. So I started working with the, you know, uh, get, got back involved with our family business and we just done an expansion at that time, purchased a bed and breakfast in 26 room bed and breakfast in. And so there's plenty to do immediately got involved with local church and, and not just, you know, attending, but then also learning and diving into the world. I remember driving from uh, Catskills up to Albany in the middle of a snowstorm. And my mom thought, you know, you're crazy. You know, <laughs> you're going to kill yourself. There's a blizzard going on. And I said, I have got to go get this Thompson Chain Reference Bible. <laughs> and the nearest Christian bookstore was in, in Albany, is New York, which right? is about an hour wow. away. You know, it just, and then again, folks know when you come to Christ, when Jesus mean changes your life, yeah, and you're and hungry, aren't you? You're hungry, and yeah, you, you yeah. just want to. You gotta, you gotta suck it, suck it all yeah, up, and, yeah. and drink deeply. So, how how are you discipled then in those early days? Uh, predominantly through a uh, uh, local pastor and uh, some Christians who mature Christians who uh, you know took kindly to me asking them questions and to uh, kind of you know being very open with them and uh, got involved in ministry in that way with some evangelism and youth work. You know, why don't you come with us this weekend? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A little over two years from when I'd given my life to the Lord, uh, we had some missionaries from South Africa come through and um, they were there with us for for several months and uh, uh, had spoken to me about going to their program in South Africa. It was kind of like a YWAM type of missions training school and missions experience and uh, prayed about it. And my pastor uh, uh, said, "Hey, can I come by and see you uh, tonight?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." So he came over to our to our place and uh, came down. And he said, "You know, uh, I've been just praying about uh, about you, and and the Lord's just um, kind of shared with me that he, He's got something for you that He's going to be taking you somewhere." And and uh, that was to go to South Africa to this YWAM type of discipleship school, mission school. I bet that was like drinking from a fire hydrant. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a year down there and uh, came back and plugged in fully with, with our local church again. The Lord poured so much into me in, the, in that short amount of time that it wasn't long thereafter that uh, he, I got the call to, to launch into full-time ministry. We'll continue talking with Stefan Radulich and learn about his ministry, Feed the Hungry, coming up on First Person. This weekly program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company. Together, we are committed to telling the stories of Christ at work in the nations of the world. FEBC broadcasts the gospel in nearly 50 of those countries, reaching people in over 100 languages, introducing them to God's love and discipling them through God's Word. To learn more about FEBC and its broadcasts, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and click the banner FEBC. That's firstpersoninterview.com. My guest today is my friend Stefan Radulich, who is president of Feed the Hungry, 
And Stefan, I find it interesting that you started out in uh, in a restaurant family feeding hundreds of people. Now you feed thousands of people around the world. This is an amazing story. It really is. You know, you, you never uh, know where your life will go, but the scripture tells us that that God knows our days uh, as yet there were none of them. And he sees the the uh, the end from the beginning. And so uh, food service, hospitality has been in our family DNA. I'm a third generation uh, restaurateur, and uh, my daughter is a fourth generation. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, she's in, in catering. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the Lord interrupted my life in a good way, rescued me, uh, as, as we've been sharing during my last semester of, of study at Cornell University School of Hotel Administration. And he's really brought my life full circle here. I never imagined, never thought that uh, the Lord would use me in the realm or that my life would be used in the realm of providing emergency food and relief, uh, food security to some of the most vulnerable children of the world, showing God's hospitality to refugees, orphaned and vulnerable children worldwide and uh, throughout the third world nations. Uh, But uh, yeah, it's it's powerful to see how Anything in our life that is a talent, that is a gift, that is a drive, that is a desire, that is a passion, that's part of our DNA of of who we are and what makes us tick and why we do what we do, Mm -hmm. uh, becomes a powerful uh, tool in God's hands for his glory and his purposes. That's right. Let me take you back to those those days of coming to faith in Christ, because you, you, you tell the story so well, and it's made such a radical change in your life. For the person listening right now who has yet to make that decision, or for the person who has just made the decision and doesn't know what to do next, what is your advice? Yeah, uh, for someone who's seeking, who's looking, who's who's wondering, uh, I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself and be honest with the Almighty God. There's one thing that's true, and that is that God isn't nervous to hear about our doubts. He's not hurt, nervous to hear about our, our questions, or he doesn't want to be believed and accepted blindly. Uh, there's a real rationale to faith. Now, it's not a head faith, it's a heart faith, but we can express our heart emotions and our heart feelings to the Lord, and whether it's doubts, whether it's fears, whether it's anxieties, whether it's questions, and, and he will answer us. So for someone who's seeking, I'd encourage you just to be authentic and, and with yourself and authentic to the Lord. And if you are that way and express yourself, uh, be ready to, to listen and, and ready to respond and, and see what he does in your life. I'd encourage you just to pray a simple prayer. Say, Lord, make yourself real to me. God, if you are out there, show me who you are. And uh, that kind of a simple heartfelt prayer uh, is going to lead to a discovery. And if you're a new believer, uh, my word of encouragement to you would be to to dig deep into the Word of God. You know, there's a lot in our world today, and even in, in the Christian world, the religious world, there's so many opinions and so many streams of thought, so many uh, contrary, controversial, and even conflicting views of, of, of this, that, and the other. But if we stay grounded in the Word of God, become a lover of the Word of God, not just necessarily a favorite scripture here or there, but with an open heart and an open mind when you Come to God's Word, make it a daily discipline, and it doesn't have to be five, eight, ten chapters a day, but just something that you're adding to your life day in and day out, and allow the Holy Spirit to show you His truth from the Word. Uh, that is a, a, an important thing and a vital thing for us to do so that we stay on track and that we don't uh, allow ourselves to kind of become discouraged or, or uh, derailed uh, mm-hmm. by just the way the world is around us. Yeah. Well, I trust someone listening today will heed that advice and 
there is no better life than the life following Christ. And uh, you and I both know that, both now and for eternity. And I I really trust someone listening today will uh, follow that example and, and put their faith in Christ. Stefan, let's let's talk about Feed the Hungry. Um, of course, as part of a large organization, you've recently become president of Feed the Hungry and have a real passion for these children. And you and I have talked many times, it's not just feeding them, it's giving them the chance to a full life. And by that, we mean an introduction to Jesus as well. Yeah, it really is. You know, uh, there's something happened in my heart uh, when I first got involved with Lassie Ministries, and that was that was back in 1995, August of 11th of 1995 is when I first started working with this ministry, and uh, the 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 compassion, the the drive, the relentless pursuit of making a difference in the life of people whom. Uh, our castaways in our world. What, what the scriptures tell us, what Jesus told his disciples were the, the least of these, the overlooked, the ignored, uh, has really fueled my, my, really, my day in and day out life uh, since I, I became a part of this ministry. And uh, that's what Feed the Hungry is all about. It's going to those that are the outcasts, the, over, the overlooked, the ignored, the ones, as the as book of Hebrews tells us, of whom the world is not worthy and making a difference in their lives, showing up to be Jesus with skin on, you know, yeah. and to provide that cup of water to one who's thirsty, to provide uh, some warm clothes to, to one who's cold and, and, and open to the elements, to provide um, a hot meal to a, a young boy, a young girl who uh, has nowhere else to turn and they're hungry and alone and afraid. And what we've seen over the years, Wayne, is that uh, food is a little key that opens up great big doors. Sure. There's a proverb in Africa, an old African proverb that says, empty bellies have no ears. Mm. And if we're going with a message of hope, a message of good news, you know, Jesus said, I preached the gospel to the poor. If we come with a message of good news, there has to be a demonstration of the tangible goodness of God uh, that goes along with it. And we've seen uh, tremendous change take place in the lives of over 100,000 children today that Feed the Hungry is taking care of in 20 nations around the world because not just the food, but because it's delivered through the hands of the local church and their volunteers that prepare those meals, hot meals, and give them out each and every day at orphanages, schools, church outreach centers, community centers. There's a connection there that the, 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 these kids are, can literally taste and see that the Lord is good. And when they get these meals and know of the love of God that's coming towards their life and that is in their life, uh, it changes not just their present, but it changes the trajectory of their future. It literally takes their little feet and puts it on a pathway to a full life to where they can become more than they've ever dreamed that was possible, that could be possible uh, because of God's intervention. Help us personalize this. Um, tell us the story of a child, uh, someone that you have met in your many travels that really has seen their life uh, turn around because of Jesus and because of the simple act of being fed uh, a healthy meal. Yeah. Let me pick out Manuel. Uh, he's a little boy in Nicaragua, uh, in Managua, the capital. He actually lives and works uh, on a, in a place called La Chureca, which is the second largest landfill in Central America. And there's a host of families that uh, basically live and work on the, the city dump site where, where all of the 
refuse from the city gets gets put into this landfill. And uh, as the trucks come in from around the city to dump their their garbage, uh, kids and, and, and moms basically run after these trucks with a long stick and tap a bag. And that's kind of claiming their bag. And they're running alongside these these big trucks on a dirty, bumpy, dusty road. And then when it gets dumped, they that's their first bag. And these kids basically live to get through the garbage that others throw away to find plastic and metal that they can then take to a junk store recycling place and earn a few Cordoba a day, 50 cents, 75 cents a day, so that they can go get something to eat. And that's their existence generation after generation. Uh, we started a food program on the outskirts of La Chureca several years ago, and, and about three years ago, this one boy came through, Manuel. These kids, now that they are able to get a, a hot meal at the at the uh, outreach center, part of the deal is uh, that in exchange for that meal, we want their parents to send them to the school. So they'll provide a uniform for the school as well because the kid needs a, child needs a proper little uniform to attend school, otherwise you can't go. And, and they get to school education. And for the parents, it's a source of amazing pride because they've never went to school. Their parents never went to school. So now my sons, my daughters are getting an education. And for the kids, it opens up a world for them that they never know. Once a child begins to learn to read and write, man, the world's their oyster. They can explore. Their imagination can run. They can see what's out there. Well, Manuel, this was about two years ago, had been in the program for a little over a year and uh, and, and went to a, a camp, a Christian camp, that they take the kids from La Chureca and, and part of the program too on the outskirts of Lake Managua. And on the third day of the camp, he came out of his, his cabin and uh, told uh, Kendra, who's our program director down there, she said, hey, Manuel, how are you doing today? He said, I'm doing great. I don't believe the lie anymore. <laughs> and she said, you know, she puzzled, what, what lie? What, what lie, Manuel? The lie that I'm a piece of garbage, oh. like the garbage I dig through every day. I oh, know that goodness. God loves me more than anything. And to me, that was so powerful because it, it goes right to the, to the heart, you know? This little boy, his whole identity, his whole self-worth and, and self-image was wrapped up in the garbage that he had to dig through knee-deep and elbow-deep day in and day out, and that his mother and father and his sisters and brothers and that his friends and family and generations before, had, and that was his whole identity. He thought that was the world as, it's, I'm going to live and die here. This is my world. But God broke through that lie and showed him his love. And he was beaming from ear to ear. And, uh, you know, regardless of the education, regardless of the opportunity for advancement now as a child, primary school education, at least you have your little foot on the first rung of the ladder to climb out of poverty. Regardless of the social implications and the economic implications of rising up out of poverty and becoming self-sustainable, that's all wonderful. And if that was just all we did, that'd be enough. But to know that because of these meals, these children are introduced to who God is, and at some point in their life, in their little life, he's going to break through all that and to tear away those lies to see that you mean something to God and that you mean something to the world around you is a powerful, powerful thing. And that's really why we do what we do. If you'd like to learn more about Feed the Hungry, the ministry led by our guest today, Stefan Radulich, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. That's firstpersoninterview.com. Online, you'll also find an archive which includes our conversation today, plus dozens of previous interviews to stream. 
With our smartphone and tablet app, you can download our shows and take them with you. Look for a first-person interview in your app store. And to leave a comment about what you've heard, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Once again, that's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be Christian apologist Nabil Qureshi, who will talk about the facts of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Please join us. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. We'll see you next week on First Person.